0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 115 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. In just a minute here, we're going to be talking about the 1940 New York Rangers team that won the Stanley Cup. Of course, it was then 54 years between then and their next Stanley Cup in 1994. The reason for doing this is that Locked On has kind of suggested that we all, all of us individual uh, team podcasts here, talk about the best teams in our franchise's history. And as you guys know, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I've talked rather extensively about the 1994 Stanley Cup winning New York Ranger team. And that, of course, is only the fourth... Stanley Cup in New York Ranger history. So it's kind of slim pickings, unfortunately. But what I thought I could do, I don't know a whole ton about the 1940 team. I mean, I kind of know the Cliff Notes. I know that they beat the Maple Leafs in the finals. I know that a curse was put on them by Red Dutton from the New York Americans. And I know that it was 54 years between Stanley Cups for the New York Rangers. But besides that, I don't really know a whole heck of a lot about this Ranger team. So what I've done is I've just kind of just done a little bit of research here. And we're gonna be talking extensively about the 1940 Stanley Cup winning team. There's a lot to get into there. But first, we do have some sad news to report. That, of course, is the loss of Mr. Colby Cave of the Edmonton Oilers. He suffered a brain bleed just kind of out of nowhere. You know, it's just kind of one of those fluky, freaky things, you know, call it whatever you want to call it. But basically, uh, he suffered a brain bleed due to a colloid cyst overnight from April sixth to April 7th. you know, somewhere in the middle of the night there. And then he had to undergo emergency surgery on April 7th and basically was fighting for his life ever since then. And then he passed away on April 11th after being put into a medically induced coma. So obviously, very sad news there. Colby Cave, uh, just 25 years old. And it's just, it's just one of those reminders that life really is precious. I mean, you've got a 25-year-old professional athlete and everything seems fine one minute and then the next minute, clearly everything is not fine. And the next thing you know, uh, he's gone and... Uh, Just for a little bit of background on Colby Cave, uh, he actually went undrafted, and he nevertheless found his way to the NHL, obviously achieving a lifelong dream. He made his NHL debut with the Boston Bruins in 2017-2018, skating in just three games that season, but then you know, he skates in another 20 games with the Bruins in 2018-2019, scores his first career goal that season as well. And then the past two seasons, he has skated in a combined 44 games with the Edmonton Oilers uh, four goals and five assists in his NHL career in 67 NHL games. So again, tremendously sad, but a guy who, listen, anytime you're undrafted, you're kind of facing odds to make it to the NHL. And he did that. And it looked like uh he had begun to, you know, at least somewhat establish himself, maybe as kind of like a swing guy who might move between the NHL and the AHL. Uh, he played in 11 games with the Oilers this year, 44 games with the AHL Bakersfield Condors. So, I mean, yeah, the the book was still to be written for him. I mean, Maybe at some point he sticks in the NHL and has a great career, but obviously just uh, tremendously sad to, you know, lose anyone, really. I mean, it doesn't have to be a professional athlete, but just completely out of nowhere, just one of those freaky, fluky things, and and the next thing you know, he's gone. So just tremendously sad and just one of those reminders that uh, life really is precious and, uh, you know, obviously uh, gone far too soon uh to kind of switch gears here and, and talk about something else you know recently we did the 19 New York Ranger playoff series wins since 1994 to current day and we ranked them from 19 all the way up to number 1 and regarding that list, I got an email from Steve who pointed out that, you know, the Rangers basically were really up against it in the playoffs this year, as far as the NHL scheduling was concerned, because they had to play six games in nine nights, which is just absolutely ridiculous. It'd be ridiculous for the regular season, much less the postseason. But basically, against the Flyers, games six and seven. Now, the Rangers lost game six in Philadelphia. They went home for game seven, and they won that one to close out the series and advance. But games six and seven, and keep in mind, they're travel there going from Philadelphia to New York they were on back-to-back nights so that that's bizarre in and of itself you know sometimes you'll see that that they won't have a day off in the playoffs even when there is travel involved but usually if there's travel uh, the teams do get the day off so that was a Tuesday and a Wednesday and then they opened the series against the Penguins on Friday and then they had another back-to-back on Sunday and Monday and again they're, that's happening in two cities you know game two was in Pittsburgh game three was back in New York so that's five games in seven days at that point and then Game 4 was on Wednesday, and to Steve's point here, he thinks that that might be what contributed to them playing a little bit flat in Game 4, not having any real jump in their game, and he's absolutely right, and it's funny. It's one of those things, I was certainly aware of it at the time, that the Rangers basically just had to keep playing and playing and playing and playing, just nonstop, and it's one of those things that I kind of forgot about a little bit over time. You know, it's hard to remember everything from all these different playoff series, all these just epic, you know, playoff clashes with teams like the Penguins and the Capitals and certainly thank you to Steve for, for pointing this out and kind of reminding me of this but you know that only uh basically strengthens the cause that that is the number three New York Ranger playoff series win of all time because now think of all the things that they had to overcome here first of all you're against a great team in the Pittsburgh Penguins secondly you're playing six games in nine days And thirdly, you were down three games to one, and you still somehow, despite all of those things that happened, managed to fight your way out of it, win the series, advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. So yeah, again, thank you, Steve, for putting that out to me. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed that countdown. If you happen to miss it, you can always go back and listen to those episodes now. They are episodes 111, 113, and 114, counting down from 19 to 1, the 19 Ranger Playoff Series wins from 1994 to current day. Some other good news, and this broke last week, but definitely worth mentioning here, is that all of the senators that had coronavirus are fully recovered. So, obviously, good news there. And hopefully, you know, anyone who's listening to this who may have been affected by coronavirus in any way, whether individually or somebody you know, a friend, a family member, whatever, uh, hopefully, you know, speedy recovery to everyone out there as well. But that really is crazy. I mean, it sounds like five unnamed players for the senators uh, tested positive for it. As well as a member of the team staff and TSN 1200 color analyst Gord Wilson, all seven of them had the coronavirus. It sounds like none of the players had quote-unquote horrible symptoms, and you know you always like your chances a little bit better when when it's a professional athlete because you know they're obviously in great shape to begin with, and and, you know hopefully they can just kind of fight their way out of it. But you know this disease doesn't discriminate. Obviously, uh, it can befell anybody. And good to hear that these Senators have made a full recovery. The other news is that John Davidson recently said that the Rangers will not rush to name the next captain of the team, and of course the Rangers have not had a captain since Ryan McDonough wore the C and was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning on February 26, 2018, And, you know, I agree with this. You know, this is something that I'm going to save mostly for maybe the next episode because we do have to get into this 1940 uh, Stanley Cup championship team here. But the only thing I'll say about it for now is that I'm completely on board with John Davidson. Uh, Basically, he just said that they don't want to force it. They want to kind of just let that thing sort itself out and just wait until a captain naturally emerges. And I agree. You know, there's no reason to force it. When you watch this team take the ice every night, it looks like they're motivated. It looks like they play hard. Obviously, this is before the coronavirus hits, I'm talking about, but yeah, I mean, they, they go out there, they compete every single night. I can maybe name two, three times all season where they came out flat, and when you've got the youngest team in the NHL, and that doesn't happen at all, I think that's an excellent sign. So I don't think it's a team that's starved for leadership by, by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next episode. Maybe we'll talk about some options that the Rangers have as far as who the next captain is. But yeah, for now, uh, I say we go ahead and we just dive right into this 1940 Stanley Cup championship winning team here. And it is not easy to find a ton of information about the 1940 Stanley Cup winning team. It's certainly not as easy as it would be to find info about the 1994 team or really any team in modern times that won the Stanley Cup. But I'm going to do the best I can here. Uh, The first thing that really stands out to me as far as this 1940 championship winning team is There were only seven teams in the NHL at the time. I mean, we do do have to call attention to that, so obviously it's impressive. You're the last team standing, you're the Stanley Cup champions, but it does lose a little bit of its luster, to me at least, when you're the Stanley Cup champion because you're the best team out of seven teams, rather than now, where you're the best team out of 31 teams, or I believe at the time when the Rangers won the Cup in 1994, I believe there were maybe like 28 teams, I would have to look that up. But bottom line, Rangers, the last team standing out of these seven teams in the NHL. You have the original six teams. You have the Rangers, the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, and the Canadians. And then you also had the New York Americans. And given that there were only seven teams... Six of them made the playoffs, and so far, so good. You know, that makes sense. If you want to have, you know, something of a, a nice, long uh, playoff tournament bracket, then you've got to let the six teams into the playoffs, and you figure that the way that would work is the top two teams would get buys, while the three-seed would play the six-seed, and the four-seed would play the five-seed, and you're kind of right, but not, not all the way. So... The way it worked was the Bruins were the top seed that year. They were they got the bye. The Rangers were the 2 seed. They also got the bye. But the 3 seeded Maple Leafs played the 4 seeded Blackhawks in the first round of the playoffs while the 5th seeded Red Wings played the 6 seeded New York Americans, which is really strange. I mean, I, I don't know why you would do it that way unless you're just trying to make it more competitive. But what sense does that make? You know, the whole idea, if you're the Maple Leafs and you finish third in the league, you want to be able to play the weakest team into the playoffs, which, of course, would be the New York Americans. They didn't do it that way, though. They had the three seed play the four seed and the five seed play the six seed. The Maple Leafs and Red Wings both advance. But here's the other really weird thing. So we mentioned that the Bruins and Rangers both got buys. However, that also meant that they would play each other in the second round, in the semifinals. The other thing I didn't mention here is the quarterfinals. Again, the three seed against the four seed and the five seed against the six seed. Those were best of threes, which is just lame to begin with. Like, you want to determine the best team. You want to find out who really wants it the most. Play a freaking series. What is this best of three nonsense? That's what you do in, like, you know, adult softball leagues is best of three. But for whatever reason, yeah, the first round was best of three. And so then, obviously, the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings both advance. So that's one semifinal matchup is Maple Leafs against Red Wings. And then the Rangers and Bruins play each other in the other semifinal. And here's where it gets even weirder, if, if it wasn't weird enough already. So the Maple Leafs play the Red Wings in a best of three. Once again, a lane best of three. The Maple Leafs win that two games to nothing. They go to the finals. The Rangers and Bruins, however, though, in the same round of the playoffs, the semifinals play a best of seven. And so you've got one semifinal that's a best of seven. The other semifinal is a best of three. They really didn't know how to make playoff tournaments back then, did they? But bottom line, the Rangers won against the Bruins in six games. They fell behind two games to one, and then they rip off three consecutive victories. Just to kind of highlight that series against the Bruins, again, as we mentioned, the Rangers were down two games to one, so they really got to win game four at Madison Square Garden, and they do that with a one nothing victory. The lone goal was scored by Muzz Patrick at 10:40 of the third period, so that ties the series at two games apiece. Now, think about, like, if the Rangers had played a best-of-three in this series, the series would have already been over. They would have already lost to the Bruins before Game Four even happened. But bottom line: the Rangers win Game Four. They tie the series at two games apiece, and then once again in Game Five, this one's back at the Boston Garden. The Rangers claim another one-to-nothing victory, and this goal once again scored in the third period, 4:27 of the third period, goal scored by Babe Pratt. So that gives the Rangers a three-to-two series lead. The Ranger goalie at this time was Dave Kerr. And he was the Vesna Trophy winner this season as well, obviously coming up with back-to-back shutouts in games four and five, clutch stuff from Dave Kerr there. At this point, as we said, the Rangers are up three games to two, and they pretty much roll in game six. They, they took control of this game late. They they won this one four to one. Uh, Roy Knacker scored for the Bruins to open the scoring late in the first period, Alf Pike ties it for the Rangers in the second period. The game goes into the third period, still tied at one, and the Rangers score three goals in less than a four-minute span. Alex Shabiki Clint Smith, and Phil Watson all light the lamp for the Rangers. They win 4-1. They go to the Stanley Cup Finals to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Maple Leafs, to this point, were undefeated in the playoffs. Now, now granted, again, they played two best-of-three series. It's not like they played a bunch of best-of-sevens like it would be today, but they swept both rounds of the playoffs that they played in and they come into this Stanley Cup finals matchup with a record of 4-0 and in the postseason. The other thing I'd just like to point out before we really dive into, you know, Rangers-Maple Leafs here is the home ice advantage worked quite a bit differently back then as well. So, With Rangers-Bruins, again, the semifinal matchup, and keep in mind, Bruins the top seed, Rangers the two seed, so that would suggest that the Bruins get home ice advantage, which I I think they did, but let me explain. So the Rangers were actually home for Game 1 in that series, and then the Bruins were home for Games 2 and 3, the Rangers were home for Game 4, the Bruins were home for Game 5, and the Rangers were home for Game 6. Had the series gone seven games, I can only assume that the Bruins would have had home ice advantage for the game seven, although there's already so many things that are just kind of bizarre about this this playoff tournament here that nothing would really surprise me. Who knows? Maybe the Rangers would have had home ice in game seven had it gone to, to seven games, but common sense would suggest that since the Bruins were the top seed, they would have home ice advantage. They would have gotten to go home for game seven had, had it gone to, to seven games. And, you know, in case anyone was wondering if if things were kind of easier as a Ranger fan back then, you know, before the curse happened and and all that stuff, did the Rangers make it any easier on the fans back then? And the answer is no, they really didn't. Um, You know, Ranger fans, we all know, even when they have success, it seems like they always have to kind of do things the hard way. It's always a grind. It's always an uphill battle for the Rangers, but that's why it makes it so sweet whenever they do succeed. But yeah, back then in 1940, The Rangers beat the Maple Leafs in six games in the finals to win the Stanley Cup, but they had to win three of those games in either overtime or double overtime, so it's not like they cruised, and in fact, games five and six, they won both of those in overtime. Game six, obviously, the Stanley Cup winner, but uh, yeah, just to kind of dive into this series again, weird stuff going on with the home ice advantage here, because the Rangers are the two seed, the Maple Leafs are the three seed. You figure that means the Rangers get home ice advantage, right? And maybe they would have, but... The issue at this time was the circus was going to be at Madison Square Garden, so that's just crazy. I mean, you talk about just a whole nother time. I mean, imagine that happening right now, where you have the Stanley Cup Finals, the Rangers are at home, they're playing. I don't know. Let, let's just say, uh, let, let's say, let's just say they play the Vegas Golden Knights because why not? I think that would be fun, you know, having games played in New York and Vegas. But uh, imagine that, you know, the Rangers were all set to have home ice advantage and they couldn't do it because the circus was in town, so they had to play most of the series in Vegas instead. That's the world we were living in back then in 1940. And so to semi accommodate the Rangers and at least let them get some home games, games 1 and 2 were played at Madison Square Garden, but after that the garden had to go to the circus and the Rangers had to play the rest of the Stanley Cup finals in Toronto on on away ice. And so the Rangers, they went ahead, they got a 2 to 1 overtime win. In Game 1 to take a one nothing lead in the series, Alf Pike once again with the game-winning goal there. Game 2, the Rangers roll to a 6-2 victory after falling behind 2-0 in the first period. Brian Hextall Sr. had a hat trick and an assist in that game, so he came up big for the Rangers. They lead two games to none. Now, the next four, like we said, they're all going to Toronto. The next four games of the series all going to Toronto, and... The Maple Leafs end up winning the next two games by scores of 2 to 1 and 3 to nothing, so the series is tied at 2. Game 5 goes into double overtime, and once again it is Muzz Patrick scoring in the double overtime period to give the Rangers a 2 to 1 victory and a 3 to 2 series lead. And so the Rangers, one game away at this point, it goes to game six again in Toronto. All these games being played in Toronto. All the final four games of this series all being played in Toronto. The Rangers in game six fall behind two to nothing. They are still down two to nothing going into the third period. Neil Colville scores at eight oh eight of the third to make it two to one. And then Alf Pike, once again, coming up clutch for the Rangers, he scores just two minutes later at ten oh one of the third period, ties the game at two. It stays tied at two goes into overtime, and then just 2:07 into the overtime period, Brian Hextall Sr. scores the game-winning goal, the Stanley Cup clincher, and the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. On that goal, a primary assist goes to Phil Watson, and Dutch Hiller collects the secondary assist. Hextall became a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 1969, and I really, I went on YouTube, I tried to find footage of these goals, I couldn't find it, I went on NHL.com, couldn't find it there either. Been looking around a little bit cannot find footage of these goals. I would I would love to at least see, I mean, not the whole series, but I would love to see the Game 5 overtime winner. Of course, that gave the Rangers a 3-2 to two series lead. And naturally, I mean, who wouldn't want to see a walk-off Stanley Cup clinching goal for the New York Rangers that was scored by Hextall Sr. in Game 6? And, and again, you know, I, I scoured the internet here. I really wanted to find these goals so I could kind of describe them to you guys, not to mention just see them for myself for the first time. But uh, unfortunately, I could not find footage of these goals. If anyone knows where to find video of these goals, please let me know and send an email to nyrangers at gmail.com. Some other interesting notes here. Uh, Frank Boucher was the coach of this Ranger team. Lester Patrick was the manager, and they became the first and only duo to win the Stanley Cup together as players and then do it again as a coach-managerial tandem. And they won the Stanley Cup as players together on the Rangers in 1928 I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, the curse of 1940 and how this exactly came to be. I mentioned that there was a team called the New York Americans, and they were, from what I understand from everything I've read here, and and it certainly it stands to reason that they're they're no longer around and the Rangers have have prospered all these years. The Americans were a team that basically was always playing second fiddle to the Rangers. and, And MSG ownership and Ranger ownership, there was a lot of crossover there. So the Rangers were obviously kind of, you know, the, the prized team in New York and the New York Americans, they, they really struggled. You know, first of all, they just weren't very good. You know, they missed the playoffs far more often than they made the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, basically, they ran into a lot of hardships. They had financial issues. They had problems where a lot of their players had to leave the team to actually go fight in World War II. And After the 1941-1942 season, the Americans basically had to suspend operations for the duration of World War II, and then in 1945, a a group emerges willing to build a new arena in Brooklyn, but in 1946, the NHL basically uh, pulled, pulled out of their deal, their promise to reinstate the Americans, and they basically just canceled the franchise. Red Dutton, who wore a lot of hats for the Americans, he was a player, he was a coach, he was an executive, fully intended to, you know, reinstate this team and get them rolling again after World War II, and the NHL basically says that the Americans, uh, quote-unquote, retired from the league in 1942. So, yeah, obviously there was a lot of bad blood there. Red Dutton was very upset. He wanted his team to continue, and unfortunately it just didn't happen, and he basically at that point... Placed a curse on the Rangers, he vowed that the Rangers would never win a Stanley Cup again for as long as he lived, and as fate would have it, it wasn't until seven years after Dutton's death that the Rangers indeed won the Stanley Cup in 1994. So yeah, just a little bit of background there. I mean, there's more to dive into here for sure. I mean, I, I realize I'm only giving you guys the very tip of the iceberg here as far as the Brooklyn Americans and the curse is concerned. It's just, it's hard to find a ton of information right now. What I would like to do eventually is get my hands on some books about the Rangers, you know, some of these old school teams that the Rangers had. There's a few I see listed on Amazon here. Uh, Obviously, it would take a while to get here given the circumstances that we're living in right now. And of course, I'm not going to go out to a bookstore right now. I doubt they're even open anyway. So yeah, um, eventually, you know, I'd like to dive into this in greater detail, but that'll just kind of give you guys the cliff notes of everything that happened back then. And then I'm actually just seeing now on the Internet uh, just some other sad news to report here. Anthony Causey, who was a sports photographer for the New York Post, has passed away due to coronavirus at the age of 48. So obviously that's just devastating news. I I mean, losing anyone is is awful to this disease. Uh, But, you know, you you look at this article here and you realize he actually had two very young kids, uh, John, age five and Mia, age two. He is survived by his wife, Romina, and his parents, Lucille and John Cozzi, and his sisters, Maria Maringelli, and Diana Merato. So obviously, this this is just terrible. And, and you know, Stephen Lynch, the post editor-in-chief, here's what he had to say about it. Quote, Anthony Cozzi was our colleague, our friend, and a brilliant journalist. He was quite simply one of the best sports photographers in New York City, capturing all the major moments of the past 25 years soft-spoken, funny, but most of all kind. He was respected by those he photographed and admired by those with whom he worked. The post that you read and the newsroom that we work in are less colorful today because of his absence. Our hearts go out to his family, and we share their grief. And yeah, I mean, I I really don't know what else to say. You know, it's obviously just terrible news. And and once again, just like we were talking about earlier in this episode, uh, this disease does not discriminate. And as far as this idea that the only people who have weak immune systems are people who are elderly are really at risk here. Obviously, uh, that's not true because by all accounts here, he was a perfectly healthy individual. Again, just just 48 years old. So this is just terrible. As far as his work is concerned, one of his most famous photos that he ever took was, and you can find this just Googling it, the picture from behind Mariano Rivera where Rivera Exits from the Yankee bullpen and runs onto a sold-out Yankee Stadium field. Uh, that kind of became a, an iconic picture, and he took that one. And it, it really is a cool picture. I mean, if you haven't seen it in a while, it's absolutely worth googling. Uh, Rivera basically just running onto the field to go out and close a game, and he's it's just a great picture. It, it's from behind, and he's just you know surrounded by Yankee fans running onto you know a sold-out diamond there. So so just a really cool picture, uh, and apparently uh, according to this article from the Post there was an article that was done on Ioannis Cespedes back in 2017. And Cespedes, you never know how it's going to go with him, kind of a unique individual, but basically he granted access to the post on his ranch in Vero Beach, Florida and and did so dressed in cowboy gear because he trusted Kazi that much. He trusted Anthony Kazi that much. I guess they had a nice rapport and, and Kazi kind of put him at ease and said, listen, you know, it'll be cool, it'll be fine. You know, I mean, I wasn't there, obviously. I don't know exactly what he said to him, but Cespedes granting the posts access and granting Kazi access onto his ranch there and allowing them to do a story on him was due in large part to the relationship that Kazi had gained with Cespedes and the trust that Cespedes had in Kazi. So, Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll talk a little bit more. We're kind of running out of time here today. I I hate to end on a a down note, and I hate to just talk about this. You know, just kind of slip this in here at the end because I think Kazi deserves better. Uh, There's a lot of former Yankees, a lot of former Mets who are you know tweeting about him, talking about him. So maybe we'll we'll talk about him a little bit more in the next episode as well. But I just thought I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention this here. But we will spend a little bit more time talking about Kazi in our next episode, and we'll we'll dive. A little bit more into some of the great New York Ranger teams to kind of stick with this locked on theme that they've handed down to the podcast host this week. Again, the theme is kind of the best seasons in franchise history. And unfortunately with the Rangers, uh it's I hate to say this, guys, but it is a little bit slim pickings. When you've got a team that's an original six team but has won just four Stanley Cups and only one since nineteen forty. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not as easy as you might think um, for a team that's been around as long as the Rangers have. There have been great, some great seasons, and we've been fortunate enough to live through some. Obviously, 94 comes to mind. Uh, you've got teams like the 2014 team that made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, 2015 and 2012, they at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. 1997, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. So th- there have been some good runs. There really have. And take nothing away. You know, we did that countdown of the 19 19- ranger playoff series wins over the last 26 seasons so obviously there have been some moments there have been some ups for the rangers some some really nice highlights over the years it's just that when it comes to winning that stanley cup man you know they just haven't done it as much as you would think that a team that's been around as long as the rangers might have won the cup it is just the four stanley cups but like i said you know we'll make the best out of this we'll talk a little bit more about you know the history of the rangers over the years So, yeah, that's where we'll stop for today, guys. Uh, You know, I I don't really know how to end this episode other than by saying, you know, just rest in peace to Colby Cave of the Edmonton Oilers who lost his life due to a brain bleed. Again, just one of those freaky things that just kind of comes out of nowhere and just reminds you that life is precious. And then certainly also to Anthony Causey, a longtime sports photographer for The Post, and he lost his battle with coronavirus. And I, I suppose if there's any... Lesson to come out of this it, with coronavirus, it's stay home. You know, just d- don't don't press your luck right now. Don't go out unless you absolutely must go out. And yeah, I mean, we're just gonna have to wait this thing out and get through it together. Obviously, you know, a very sad situation. There, just 48 years old, he leaves behind two young children, and just kind of proof that. You know, coronavirus, it's not just, you know, elderly people and people who are already sick who are susceptible to this, because by all accounts, it seems like he was a perfectly healthy individual. And like I said, you know, we'll spend a little bit more time talking about Kazi in our next episode, because looking at these comments here, looking at all these different players that have tweeted all these different, you know people who work in sports that have tweeted and, and kind of sent out their condolences. Uh, it just seems like this guy was was basically universally loved by everybody in the sports business. And, and certainly Colby Cave as well. You know, there were a lot of players around the NHL who were sending out their condolences, a lot of players on the Oilers. I know uh, Connor McDavid, uh, you know, had some very nice things to say about Colby Cave. So just unfortunate two individuals that were lost uh, long before they should have been, so... Yeah, that's going to do it for today, guys. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter if you have a minute, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.